the idea of home ownership can be incredibly daunting, especially here in 2023 and beyond. Some people feel like they're being pushed into the idea of home ownership. And then some people feel like they want the idea of home ownership, but the entire concept is being pushed away from them. In this interview, Derek says that buying a home felt like the Hunger Games with the competitiveness and the crazy market that we're in. You combine that with the fact that some people are internally struggling with the idea of settling down and becoming, as Derek said, middle class. So one of the challenges that people have with owning a home is figuring out where does home ownership fit into the entire psyche of your own life. So let's get into some interesting different viewpoints on how home ownership works when you're struggling to figure out if you even want to be middle class. And then when you jump into it, it's crazy bonkers competitive. Play that music. All right, everybody, very excited right now. We've got Derek from Wisconsin. And uh, is it still snowing there, dude? <laughs> it stopped, I think, about five minutes ago. About five minutes ago. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's it's actually been been really nice for a few weeks. It's it's great here. Fantastic. Uh, so Derek reached out to me back in January and closed on his home in May. Uh, no, closed in January. Closed in January. Oh, you, put, you yeah. reached out to me in May of 2022. Yes. And we closed in January. So that's a good journey. So that'll be exciting. So, um, okay. So right off the bat, I always ask everybody, what's your big aha moment? Well, it was uh, actually reading uh, New York Times articles and listening to news podcasts like Marketplace and stuff where they were just talking about how unbelievably brutal the market was. I realized, oh, this is, this is like the Hunger Games or something like that, where, you know, um, our goal was really to enter a solidly middle-class life with a little bit of security rather than just kind of floating around as we've done most of our lives. And the big aha moment was just saying, no, this is going to be much more terrible than you could possibly imagine. You know what? It, but it was so smart to, to do the research and figure that out. Um, you know, a, a lot of times I get bummed out with some of the articles. They, they just delve too deep into too many random things. The reality of what was going on here, it was so tough. Um, but by being prepared for that, um, eventually, obviously, you understood the easiest and fastest way to your middle class life was to play in the Hunger, hunger Games. Because if you waited, it was going to be more expensive anyway, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, and the the heartbreaking part about it was realizing that my and it's still just my assumption but that it's flippers and uh landlords who kind of are making it terrible because they're not thinking oh you know there are people who simply want to raise a family or you know live that middle class life they're like no how much money can i make it's just an investment it doesn't mean anything it's just numbers you could invest in a million things in this world but in when the country has a housing shortage the way we do right now all you're going to do is make the country overall even more unequal 
we're just going to further destroy the middle class this way. And to me, it's like, it's, it's a philosophical thing. It's just, it's just a way to, you know, I, we, we have my, and, you know, cut me off if I, if I start to, to stray sure. too much, but here, my wife has actually stumbled upon, um, uh, kind of chat groups that, uh, of, of landlords where they're like, you know, try to, try to get your, um, tenants to sign the, the shortest lease as possible so we yep. can raise the rent more often. And it's, 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 it's just this like, get as much as you can put as little into it. And here's the, here's another clue. When I talked to my, the loan officer I ended up going with, he said, you know, check the GIS maps, the parcel viewers for whatever uh, home you're interested in and look at the names. If you see an LLC in the name, if you see the address yes. for the mailing address is different than the physical address, that's probably a rental. Go check out the the um, the condition of it whenever it, that was the case. The condition was crap. It was obviously weren't putting anything into it. And this is, and it was just a terrible situation. I mean, and I do not ascribe to the belief that if you rent, you don't care as much. And that's the problem. I, to me, most of the time, I just, because I've dealt with enough different kinds of landlords, they, they just, they just, you just a number to them. Yeah. And I understand it's just an investment, but, and it's, it's, it's legal, but I don't think it's moral. Anyway, that's that. That's my take. And it's absolutely true, and that's <laughs> part of the reason that I started the podcast. And people will come to me and go, "Oh, you're just a greedy guy who just wants everyone to buy a house." And I say, "No, I've told plenty of people oh. not to buy a house." But here's what happened: I was doing this for twelve, thirteen years, and I went, "Oh shoot, the system is rigged." So you've got one or two choices: you rent forever, or you find the most palatable way to beat the system. You know, 20 years ago, everybody blue collar people could buy a house and you could keep renting and landlords were nicer. Then the rents took off. And now I I'm telling you, you know, the average age last year was 36. And there are plenty of 28, 29 year olds who, who maybe have their stuff together and, you know, if, if they got a if they went to college or they went to a trade school and then they got a job, you know, by the time they're 30, but no one's trying to help them get out from under the landlords because there's no money in it. First time home buyers, oh, sure. are, first time home buyers are the bottom of the totem pole. You know, you want to buy a $10 million house? Everybody's going to call you. You want to help somebody for eight months for a commission of 4,000 bucks? That's why I have been working so hard to educate for free and find the people like, you know, I helped find you in Wisconsin. So, you know. Um, well, I appreciate it. Well, and if I yeah. can jump into it to tell Please. you like exactly how bad it was, we lived in Denver for many years. Uh, we've kind of lived all over the country and our, our deal was we would just, we would never vacation. We would just save up to move to a different town and kind of learn it as a local and, and rent wherever we were. But by the time we got to, when we first moved to the Denver area, we lived in a town next door called Golden and it was affordable and it was nice and people were nice and, and it, it was, it was wonderful. Um, then, um, the rent started to creep up and it got to the point where we were living in downtown Denver in a 512 square foot apartment paying $1,400 a month. 
And we learned that when our, our rent was um, going to increase, we're going to jump up to about 18 for this high crime neighborhood. And just the, the management was going down. Every, everything about the building was going down. The security was terrible. People coming in, like homeless people, like pulling on door handles, stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, a carjacking in our, in our garage, stuff like that. And, and it was just, it was really terrible. So, um, that we were like for what we're paying right now i know we could we could pay a mortgage that would probably be less than that um that was of course before i started to realize what the competition really was you know but, yeah um the thing is but at this point we are paying less in a, on a mortgage than what we paid per month for this 500 square foot apartment now we have a 1400 square foot gorgeous home in a wonderful area low crime wonderful neighbors great culture out here and and we couldn't be happier (laughs) okay i know people are going to want to know this are you a remote worker or are you just a person that could work anywhere how did you do that because that's the thing there are so many people that tell there are some people like i've been in southern california forever and there are people that are like i my family's here this sucks what do i do so we have to do a big long plan but how did you move and still get employed and get approved for a loan well, it was, uh, we're in a little bit of an unusual circumstance in that my wife and I have a business from home. It's, it's an online business oh, cool. and we've had it for, uh, about, uh, it's over 12 years now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, a small business owner, but I, I, I feel like every day, God, I, can, can we last the next day? Are we going to be homeless like next month? But 12 years later, we're still fine, but the paranoia hasn't left. But because we had a solid history with the, with the, the shop and the way we've, we've, we've run it, you know, I, I, I you know, I report everything on my taxes. So everything I have, uh, 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 I have tax returns that show what we've done all this time. We're not like one of these fly by night things, you know, you, you kind of do it on the side and you don't, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I had a report. Yeah. A guy at a party like uh, two months ago was like, so, so what do you report? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I report? I report everything. This isn't a choice to me. So I'd, I'd rather just have, you know, I'd, I'd rather have the privilege of being able to work at home and sustain that rather than, um, have have the potential we we've we've known some people some friends who have online shops who uh you know they've been audited and that's not that's not a place i i ever want to be so anyway but that's well, how we from the home buying perspective i've had a lot of people say this to me too they're like you know they, they whether they were i mean I, i've seriously had influencers i've had people who who started an online photo booths like that you see at weddings and oh yeah they sold those and then like, yeah, last year we made $250,000 doing that. I'm like, great, we can buy a house then for you because that's what they were talking to me about. But they didn't report any of it. So the, the lesson for everybody is, one, if you have an online business and where you live, it's, it's expensive. If you can handle going someplace more suburban, your options are open. As long as, like Derek did, now you don't have to do 12 years like you did, Derek. <laughs> a year or two of reporting it like you're, you know, what, a regular business, God forbid, you know, so that's cool. But, and, and if I can, you know, just uh, say a word to the people out there who are maybe just starting an online business because it's easier than ever to do that. You know, yeah. it is, it was, it was anxiety producing for me, but just, just interview a couple of accountants, 
over the phone, see how you feel about yeah. it and get together with one. They'll walk you through it. It's not the worst thing in the world. And a lot of things, bookkeeping, that's like what I do for, for our business. Um, that was, it was, a, it, it was a, an anxiety producing thing for me to learn, but I, I eventually, uh, I, I think I, I do fine with it now. And, and it's yeah. not that big of a deal. And if you don't feel comfortable with it, you can outsource that too. If you, you know, bring in enough revenue, whatever, it's not, that's not the most expensive thing in the world either. So it, it it's not, uh, it's not the most difficult thing to go legit. If you, if you think of it that way. Well, I think for some people, if it's, if it's a side hustle, you know, because like, like, like we were talking about, it's difficult, it's competitive. And there are a lot of people that come to me and their approval is like maybe 50,000 less than, you know, they, they want to get approved for 300 and they got approved for 275. And then the wife goes, well, you know, I do that thing over here. Or the husband goes, well, you know, I do have that other thing over here. And I said, okay, well, let's start reporting that. And then next thing you know, their approval goes up. You have to pay taxes on it, but you know, it's, that's the, that's the game you have to play. I, you know, I don't know if I should ever say this into a microphone, but I know a lot of people who did that and later on perhaps changed their accounting style after they got their law approval. Hypothetical. Creative accounting. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> what were, I, I think you've kind of answered this question. What were your biggest fears and misconceptions and were they right? The biggest fear was that it was going to be the Hunger Games, and it was absolutely right. <laughs> um, the, the, okay, so our um, our our big thing was to get a home inspection. I just felt like, and you know, I still just don't know if you buy a home and then it turns into the money pit with Tommy Hanks. Yep. Um, <laughs> funniest funniest laughing scene in the history of movies. If you haven't seen it. When he starts laughing and can't stop, oh my God, I died. Yes, yes. And uh, what's funny is I, I've always loved that film. My, my wife hates it because it's so stressful. Yes. I tried to show oh, it to yeah. her. I, I, I actually am <laughs> mad at myself that I've, I realized, oh crap, I said that on this podcast. Now everyone's going to listen to it or watch it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but, were, were you having people actually waive the inspections when you were buying? No, well, here's the thing. My unicorn we were talking to him on the phone yeah. um, when we were still living in Denver and, um, and he was like, look, you know, uh, really you, you should, you, you, you'll be in a lot better position to buy a home because people are pretty much across the board, waiving inspections and sellers um, are, you know, they're rejecting people, you know, of course, yeah. they, of course they are. Why, why do they care? And um, so, yeah, yeah, people were absolutely doing it. And the thing is, it's probably still the case. We've talked to uh, many local people. We're uh, um, in, in, a, in a part of Wisconsin near, we're kind of uh, close to Green Bay. But yeah. this is not an area that like I knew anything about. And um, I just thought, oh, demand shouldn't be too bad. No, it is. It's brutal. People cannot find a home. We got extremely lucky, and, and I can go into that how, how we got into ours. But the thing with the thing is, I just I was like, I'll rent before buying something where a home inspector could catch it, and and I wouldn't. And then we would buy something, and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh no, you need a new roof, and you need one now, or something like yeah. the foundation is screwed up in some way where like it's like the apocalypse, and you know, yeah. I, I and so in fact, right before our offer was accepted. We had started looking at apartments here only to realize that even though we're in 
in the middle of Wisconsin. Well, not quite in the middle, but anyway, sure. um, we're kind of, if this is Wisconsin, we're kind of like about here. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, did, I didn't know Wisconsin geography before this, but uh, the, 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 the renting situation is not entirely dissimilar from Denver. It's not much better um, for, for the money to, to have something as nice as, as Denver. It was only like going to be a few hundred dollars less. And I'm like, I, I, I was, yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, the, the intro yep. to scanners, I was becoming that guy. Like my head was about <laughs> to explode. And it was well, just like, it's the, the the whole inspection because you're right we are coming back into that type of market and the whole inspection thing is if if you can work with your unicorn and you can figure out okay do i have to say i'm waving it cool but is there something else that we can keep open you know and and maybe you still do the inspection and there are some people i know that have waived inspections for condos and it worked out fine but it, it, you know if the the experience you have to be comfortable with it and if it's too much at that particular time. Sometimes you just have to back off. So you said you got lucky. What happened? Well, I, well, here's the other thing that I didn't mention: the the unicorn. Luckily, and we didn't know this until we got here, and we met him in person. And he's yeah. just he's a great guy, and he's had decades of experience. Yes, um, he uh, is kind of a de facto home inspector too. I didn't realize this until the first home that we viewed with him. He's sitting there. He's looking at this home with us in the basement and he's, he's explaining the concept of a land anchor, something I've never heard of. And um, he's talking about, Oh, well, obviously in the construction, they did this in the renovation, they they drilled these weird holes. It's because they're shooting uh, insulation in this weird way. They did this improperly, but it's fine. You can do this. It'll cost this much probably to fix this thing, probably about about this much to fix this thing. Maybe I can talk him down in this way. And he knew all of this stuff, you know, and wow, you know, of course, since I've been a renter forever, this was like um, talking about alien technology or something. And (laughs) so, but the thing is still, he's not doing an actual home inspection. And I wasn't sure, like, are there ever things where like something is so bad that like your local, um, housing authority or whoever deals with like the codes or whatever yeah. would would force you to fix something right away and you can't afford it. And now all of a sudden you're scrambling for another loan on top of like your credit score has just gone down because you, you know, it, it, is this a Pandora's box? And I'm too paranoid for that. Yeah. So I was just like, before we, we left Denver, I, you know, I kind of had to have a sit down call with them, sit down call with them sure. <laughs> um, like three days in. And I was just like, look, I, I understand this is, going to make us difficult but i just cannot waive an inspection i realize this is the most maybe brutal housing situation um in my lifetime but i i can't and i can't i just can't do it and he said that's fine you know what we can still find you something it might be a little bit more difficult but we'll we'll work on it but anyway the the way we got in is one thing he said was write write a letter write a letter to the owners okay so um we did our parcel viewer thing yeah we looked up their names their first names it's not dear homeowner nice yeah, house yeah, i yeah. want to buy it yeah the end no we we and um and who are these people we 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 did some internet sleuthing yeah we wrote my wife wrote a separate letter i wrote a separate letter each saying okay look we are not wealthy we're not 
flippers and we're not, um, we don't intend to, to be landlords. We intend to, to live in a house. We want to, for, you know, for the first time, have some, have some sort of security. We were just kind of explaining, you, you, you know, what we felt in our hearts about this whole situation. And, like, and what they heard was you were going to love the house as much as they love it. Yes, totally. Exactly. And, and they were like, you know what? If you'll, if you'll increase the, the price you offered by $3,000, it's yours. And we're like, yes. And yes. we happen to be, yeah, it, we're, we're at a downtown skating rink. It's in, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's like negative a million degrees outside. And, yeah. um, and you got the call. We got the call and my, my wife, starts pacing back and forth screaming like like a like a mad woman in in this place and like everyone's looking at us and like i kind of have to like drag her out and she's in between like screaming out of joy and like sobbing (laughs) and i'm I'm sitting here like like my hands are shaking i'm like oh my god we're about to become middle class this is gonna happen and it was like the most and and we're our, we can't find our car. We're going blocks and blocks this way. I'm like, people are going to think we're on drugs. And and it was just, it was the most <laughs> wonderful thing ever. But yeah, so that's how it was our letter. That was what did it. Uh, I'm going to name the episode. We're going to, I'm writing it down. We're going to become middle class. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me. Well, you know, the it's, it's so funny because everyone says to me, I heard, this is the absolute, you absolutely never waive an inspection. I heard you absolutely have to waive an inspection. I heard buyer letters are illegal now. I heard you have to use a buyer letter. Guess what? Those are all true because it depends on where you are. You know, Oregon oh. has, has had the buyer letter, letter uh, uh, legislated four different times now. Illegal, legal, illegal, legal. Wisconsin, still legal. You know, and so you got to use it. There's a discrimination thing. They don't want people because a lot of the, a lot of the buyer letters include pictures. So they don't want, oh, I, mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So you send a picture and they're like this, I don't like the way this person looks. So, you know, they're even talking about taking the names off of the contracts, which I think is silly because sleuthers like us can find the name of the person anyway, you know, because if I'm a Sidoni and then suddenly over here, you know, Mr. Spackacoli wants to sell to me and not the other name that he doesn't know, you know? Yeah, so of course. Of course. Kind of weird discrimination stuff that's going on, um, which it's so difficult to legislate because here we are trying to fight the man and, and we're, we're revolutionizing for middle class yet the regulations end up making things more difficult sometimes because the human side of what you did got you the deal. And well, and, but you're, the thing is, you know, and it's funny, I didn't even consider the the discrimination aspect of it because in throughout all of these uh, New York times articles, I'm reading New York times magazine, there was one New York times magazine article that really did it for me, but I was also reading about housing discrimination. I was hearing, um, uh, like NPR things about it on the radio too, about, you know, and it, it is, it's so, you know, you have a Hispanic name, you call, you're asking about a house. You're like, no, no, I'm, you know, we, we can't really yeah. help you. And then you get your, your friend with like the most Anglo-Saxon name. And I oh, have yeah. a big, long, terrible, hard to spell name. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. You know, I've, I've been in situations that just didn't feel right. And I kind of felt like it had to do with that. And, 
And so I, that was a fear of mine too, but it's funny. I didn't even consider it in this circumstance it's, when it came to it. Yeah. And it's a thing. I see an article once a week about uh, the good news is the articles that I'm getting real estate. Now, what I'm seeing more and more is um, large banks, large lenders, lenders discriminating against people of color. Um, that has gotten, but I'm seeing now billion dollar fines against them. So it's starting to change a little bit, but, and that's why this whole, that's why this whole process, like, you know, at the beginning of this phone call, I'm not doing get rich quick. I'm saying this sucks. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of people. So you need the best advocates you can. And they're going to have people, let me, Kevin, your unicorn is, you know, super knowledgeable, as you said, and then finding your lender, they're going to be able to help recommend you to people, whether you use them or you're not, that are at least going to be ethical and above board. And well, and I can't believe that you, I guess what you're saying that with the big banks, that it's kind of like redlining 2.0 right now. It's, it's the second redlining. I mean, you think that that redlining, it's it, the redlining ends up being more on the realtor side. Um, but this is because it, it the, the realtors have more control of the area. The banks, these are banks that are accepting online applications. And for whatever reason, there is a gigantic, what they did was they found same credit scores, different ethnicity, same credit score, same income, different ethnicity. Because what they used to do is say, well, this minority group traditionally has lower credit scores. So then the CFPB, which is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, Elizabeth um, Warren, God, Warren, we're going to fight. We're going to fight that Kate McKinnon. Um, so they, um, they ended up going in and finding, they said, okay, let's, let's compare apples to apples. And unfortunately there were a few, but they're getting fined now. So, well, and this totally falls in line with what, uh, one of your podcast episodes was talking about, uh, you were saying that basically anyone can become a realtor. Oh yeah. And don't oh, yeah. just go by the fact that they have a license. And so if anyone can become a realtor, that means any racist can become a realtor. Yep. Anyone who, you know, and yep. you know, anyone who doesn't want to change their neighborhood, anyone prejudiced in any sort of way. And that, yeah, that, that totally makes sense, man. We, we had a group, uh, you know, my unicorns, we have a little private group where we talk to each other and I had one of the unicorns call me and, and tell me like his client said one of the most racist things ever. Kind of like, why are you moving? Well, because they're moving in. And my unicorn called me and said, David, is it okay? And I'm like, is it okay? Can I fly out there and kick him in the butt with you? So, <laughs> like, so he stopped working with him and it, we're all fighting a tough battle right now and being able to have allies um, like for those of you out there, well, none of you know this, but Derek and I, um, after we closed, after he closed on his home, ended up emailing back and forth, uh, about movies forever. And it was just so fun when you have this, this gigantic world of like-minded people and it's kind of like, oh, you know what this person and I think alike, and he needs help with his car. I know a good mechanic. Well, that's what the unicorns are. It's like, oh, I know a good, and when I say good, I mean really good at their job. I mean, geez, that's crazy what Kevin was doing, helping you with the, all this stuff. I didn't even understand some of the stuff you said um, <laughs> that he said to you. But good heart. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. So 
for you. Well, I mean, I'm if, if, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But, uh, well, I mean, and, and if it tells you anything, you know, it was, we, we landed in Wisconsin, you know, when, when we were still in Denver, we, uh, we said, we're going to get an Airbnb kind of centrally located in Wisconsin. And yeah. we weren't even sure what town we wanted. And, um, but he said, you know, look, we're having a customer appreciation party um, two days after you land here. Why don't you just show up? If you want, you can mingle, you can ask questions, whatever you want. And, and I was like, you know what? We don't know anyone here. Let's just do it. And, um, and, you know, he turned out to be, you know, just the warmest, most wonderful guy. And, um, and, and we met people that there that, that we're still friends with who are all clients of, of, of the same realtor. Um, and, um, and we just had a, a party day before yesterday here and, and, and Kevin came to the party and, and it was great. I mean, but, you know, I'm so, I feel like it, you know, I, I just feel like we wouldn't have gotten there without him. I had spoken to a loan officer that I, liked for a while and she was really cool and everything. And I said, you know what, you know, I have this realtor I'm, I'm working with in, in this part of Wisconsin, but we're kind of looking at this, this area. I liked Kevin so much. I was like, Hey, if I go to another area, can you represent me there too? Can you do it like remotely? Can you just handle, he said, no, we're not really allowed to do that. You, you have to kick, stay within these particular confines. And I was like, okay. Um, he said, but you know, if you find a, find another realtor in that area, have them contact me and we can work together, you know, and that was yep. okay. But so I asked this loan officer, can you, can you give me a, rec a recommendation for a realtor in this other area? So she sent me, she sent me this name. I looked him up. The guy had been doing it for less than a year. He looked 12 years old. Yeah. Maybe a really nice guy. That's fine. But he's not Kevin. He's not going to be anywhere close to Kevin. Yeah. And, um, and, and I was just like, this is, and, and all of a sudden I saw truly, I felt like another movie reference. I felt like I was, I was in the house in Beetlejuice and yep. Kevin was this house. I was standing in the moment you step out, it's just the sand and the sand yep. worms and you're just, it's nothing but danger. And I was like, we're going to be screwed. And so anyway, yeah. going ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, it, it is. It, everybody has a, a, a journey and a path and, you know, not every unicorn is going to be right for everybody, but understanding that there, there's a reason why I, I jokingly, I don't even remember when I said it in one of the podcasts, but the reason I said it was in my head, it's rare and it sucks that our industry has 1.5 million realtors and it's rare to find anyone who's good. That blows. It should be the other way around. You know what I mean? It's not just that 80% of them only do 20% of the business. It's that nobody has trained them. They suck at it. And it's the biggest financial decision of your life. So I, like, I'll give all this information away for free. You can go, but make sure you interview the hell out of the people that you're talking to. Or, you know, make sure that they have some kind of unicorn credentials. And dude, and you've got to like, you've got to make sure that your interviews are worth something. You have to educate yourself as much as possible. So you know yeah. what questions to ask. And that's your, your podcast. It's funny because before I found your podcast, I had already done so much research. I mean, it was like, it was just like, okay, I'm going to get a degree now in yeah, how to buy a house, you know? And so, and what you touched on, yeah, every, every episode I was listening to, I was like, Oh, this is what I read about, you know? And, you're talking about it in, in a human way. And 
Yeah. It was wonderful. You know, um, I did pick up a couple of weird bits of knowledge though, that I wanted to pass along, but by the time we're through. Yeah. So share I, them. Well, okay. Okay. Here's, here's one thing you'll read articles about try and pay your, your credit cards down as much as possible, pay them down to zero, just do it. And you do want to pay them down as much as possible. This was our method for a year before we left. Um, I just, I, we had no credit card debt. I would just, I, I, and I would do everything on the credit cards, absolutely everything to show as much activity. And I would just pay it off all the time. But I, I, I came across, it was like a nerd wallet article, I think saying, yeah, pay your, don't, don't be afraid. Just pay your credit card down to zero. I did that. And um, I'm checking my credit score. My credit score goes down. Yep. And one of the credit reporting agencies said, um, well, it looks like you've closed this card. Yep. So we're just going to go ahead and preemptively. It, it didn't say closed on the comments. It didn't show. It said active account. But they're like, it looks like you closed this card. So we're degrading your, your score. I'm like, what the? So my new yep. policy became pay it down to a $3 balance. Just do that. <laughs> It's fine. You're not. It's not going to affect your your the what um, how, how much interest you're paying. And I know not everyone can pay down their credit cards to zero. But if yeah. you are in that position where you can, don't do it. Just there's a. I, and, and I I'm going to say this now. And I don't know when you're listening to this. Right now, it's May of 2023. This has probably changed. Hell, this is information I had from five months ago. It's probably changed already. But if the, the the credit bureaus all check at different times. They're supposed to check right at the end of your cycle, but sometimes they check at different times because of when your, your billing cycle is due. So if you happen to have it at the zero point when one of them checks, if it's six months in a row, that's what happened to you. Now, you might have been using it all that time, but for the last six months when they checked, it was during your zero period, and that happens. The credit, the $3 thing is a smart idea, um, and one of the credit uh, uh, pros that I talked to, people say below 10%, you know, truly below 30%, you get a positive as opposed to a negative. Below 50, you know, you get, no, you know, above 50 is when you get, that's when it doesn't, uh, it starts to possibly decrease your score, but her magic number was 7%. Now, I don't know if I want to carry 7% if I have a $10,000 credit card, but some, that's a great tip. If you're zero, and it doesn't mean that you don't use it. It means that if you have it at zero, you never know when they're going to do their check. So you can't run it at zero. You have to have some kind of balance carry over for every month for it to count. Yeah. And it, well, and the thing was, it was like, I purposely put that one at zero and, and waited yeah. to see what they would do because I was like, and this was early on because I knew I had a chance to fix it because I knew we, we still had plenty of time before we were actually going to apply for, for the yeah. loan. Um, and if I can add uh, one related part of this, I had to call one of the credit agencies. I, I was, I was asking a question, um, and the guy on the line said, um, you know, this annualcreditreport.com, ever yes. since the, the uh, you know, the, the, the standard thing was you get one free credit report a year with each of the agencies. You can spread that out and maybe get yes. one every four yeah. months between. But ever since the pandemic started, 
they changed this. They did not advertise it. I can't find it anywhere online. Well, they changed it from once a year to once a day. Yeah. 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 You can check your credit score for free. If you go to that, you know, all you have to do, they'll ask you some questions to make sure it's you. And, and you, so I just set it on my calendar. I get a Google calendar alert once every two weeks. I just chose that arbitrarily just to check. There's nothing hinky going on. And I can check with all three bureaus, not to mention Experian. You can sign up with them for free and you can yep. check more often mm-hmm. than that. Um, Equifax, you can sign up. Um, TransUnion, I think, is the only one where um, if you sign up, like you, you can't check uh, that often. But regardless, you can still go through annualcreditreport.com yeah. every day if you yeah. want, if you want to be that insane. I think I think I heard that that's like ending right around now. Like I, oh, think, is it? Well, I, I wouldn't think be surprised. Was, I think it was April or May of this year that it's over. But yeah, I right mean, along it, with the WHO uh, uh, yeah. declaration of the end of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so now, you know, so that's the new calls I'm getting right now. OK, crap, my student loan. I have to start you know, making payments again. What do I do now? So that's because <laughs> there are people that are calling me about that. But well, this is this is incredible. I mean, the the. The pieces of information that you gave for people that are potentially remote people who who can't afford that inspiration for them, um, you know, I I I always tell people I try not to sugarcoat it, um, and uh, you definitely helped us out with that, letting people know it's Hunger Games, <laughs> but but you got it done. Well, thank you. Well, it, and if the, there's one other really big thing I wanted to add, if if I could, please, if you have time. Um, the big thing that I found that helped the most was interviewing loan officers. Um, nice. What I did, I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to handle the 3% down payment. I just, we work from home. Our, our, I mean, we have our own business. I never know what our income is going to be. This is why I'm always paranoid that, our, that we're going to be homeless in a month or I'm going to have yeah. to work at something, you know. But I, uh, I, so I started looking into programs myself. Um, what kind of this is what what kind of state programs are there? The state of Wisconsin has their own thing. It's called yep. WIDA. Before Wisconsin, we were actually looking at uh, Illinois, and they have their own thing called IDA, IHDA, mm-hmm. Housing Development Authority. Anyway, they have their state programs. But in addition to that, there are city programs that also have ho- first time home buyers. So there are grants of all kinds. They all have their own rules. There's like uh, mutual, what is it? First Bank of Omaha. You probably know this yeah. thing. It's like, uh, yeah. And they have their first time home buyer. Like, and, and so what I did is I cross referenced. We, when we were still in Denver, we, we narrowed it down to like several different towns that looked like they had housing that we could afford that looked like it wasn't, um, completely dilapidated and yeah. in, in safe areas. And so I, I, I looked at when I, when I, I talked to someone at WIDA and they were like, you know, we work with particular banks to so check with the banks that, that, that do this. I was like, okay, fine. And then I said, well, is this the same thing with these local programs that they only work with particular banks? So I found a bank that not only worked with WIDA, the state um, assistance program, but also worked with assistance programs for, for the local cities. So that if I found a loan officer this this person could find the best fit for us yeah. uh, as clients and so i i made a spreadsheet and uh which is what i do in life i just make spreadsheets that's pretty much it and then yep. i i started asking 
And I took copious notes and I took, I had these long interviews that talked to me way more than they wanted to. I could tell, but yeah. I didn't care. And I just hammered them with all these nitpicky questions. And I saw, well, how do they react? You know, when, when I go deeper and deeper and there were people who like, he was, there was one guy that my wife and I got on a zoom meeting with. He was an Illinois guy. And, um, and we call him Mr. Money because, um, he, it was, it was just obvious. We weren't in the right tax bracket to have a conversation with this dude. And I was like, you know, and it was just obvious. We were just wasting his time. And there are people like that out there. And, you know, the, and I understand it's not the biggest commission in the world on, on a, a, you know, a, a modest home, but, um, you know, you, I, I eventually found people who who were patient and and actually even kind and and the, and that to me is the most important thing. You work to find a person who will not ever give you a rushed or a weirdly ambiguous answer or something where they haven't thought it through. Make sure they sound like they know what they're talking about. And even with the guy we found, like he mentioned this uh, this Omaha, uh, the Bank of Omaha thing. Yeah, and and I went behind him because. When we find it, I was like, this guy knows everything. He, he, and he's patient. He kind of was like professorial in the way he was with me. Everything was like, we're going to sit down for class now. I'm going to explain this yep. concept of home buying. And, um, he, he, he brought up this, uh, Omaha thing. And, and I looked behind him and I looked it up and I was like, I don't think we qualify. I think we make a little bit too much money. Can you just double check that? A couple of days later, he comes back. He said, oh yeah, you're right about that. So even when you have someone who knows what they're talking about, maybe they just got one number a little bit wrong. Check when you can, but still find the best person you possibly can. And like the loan, it's as important as far as what I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, as finding a great realtor, because I talked to loan officers who their banks quali- their, their banks work with WIDA and 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 all these different first time home buyer assistance programs but the the person i talked to didn't know anything about it he's like oh yeah I, i'll look into it i'm sure I, we can we can figure this out yeah and i'm like these things are nuanced the rules are weird in yep. ida i mean in illinois those programs actually run out of money yep during yep. the year and I didn't know that. And um, apparently in Wisconsin, I guess it's not a problem, but you know, it's like these little things and you find someone who knows what they're talking about. They're going to be able to help you avoid those, those pitfalls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a a, a great tip. I tell everybody all the time who, you know, though I love the fact that I have a national podcast and people will reach out to me and say, uh, what first time buyer grant should I be looking into? Not only do I not know because I'm in the wrong state, I don't, in your own state, there could be something in your county or city. So make sure that, you know, when you get your recommendation, whether it's from you doing your own research or whether it's from your unicorn realtor that gives you to your unicorn lender, look that stuff up, ask the questions. You know, I mean, a lot of times, sometimes a lot of it's too good to be true. You get super excited and then you look at it and go like you probably found out, oh, income qualifications or, you know, wrong zip code or they ran out of money, you know, but if you know that you fit into a certain uh, program that might be able to work for you, doing the research and the work like you did and, and God bless you for being a spreadsheet, man. So, uh, <laughs> well, and uh, awesome. to that point, if you, to go a little bit further with it, there are on top of it, if you buy a house that, you know, has some things wrong with it, there are these programs also just to, uh, help repair your home. So don't forget about that stuff too. And yeah. that's often city by city. 
And, and uh, again, the rules are completely different. So look into that because that could, that could maybe be what helps you determine, uh, you know, whether you can do this or not, maybe it makes a house possible that you didn't think was possible. And if, yeah. if I can add another tip, I'm sorry. It's okay. One thing I learned, Kevin's assistant um, came uh, with us for, to look at a house. And, um, and I was talking about how I was afraid to talk to neighbors. And she said this line that like has stuck in my head. They're just people. I was afraid to bother people during the day. And just, you know, at, what I wanted to do was just ask, how do you like the neighborhood? You know, is there anything looking in this area that, that I, that I, that I might want to know? And, but really I, what I wanted to see is, are these people cool? What I wanted to live next to this person, because here's the thing you can maybe fix a house, but you can't fix a bad neighbor. Yep. The first house we put a bid on, <laughs> we spoke to the, uh, the next door neighbor she had been living there for two months. She was retired and everything. She said two things. She said, we love bonfires. We like to be outside. We like music. And I was like, who doesn't like music? What are you telling me? I was like, oh, she's telling me she likes loud music. Yes. And she likes it to be outside. We ended up not getting that house because they, uh, they, they, they wanted us to buy it without an inspection contingency. But we've gone back for a check on that house many times since and <clears throat> no lie within a week of us um lo- losing our or having our offer rejected we yeah. went back and we saw a shutter had fallen from the house next door and we've got, gone back so many times it's never <clears throat> been put back up they're parking in their front yard oh yeah they are you know the trash <clears throat> is starting to pile up kind of all over the place and we were like, that's the kind of thing that's hard to fix. And there were so many houses. This was also part of the horrific part. God, I, I sound like I'm dying now. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to just have a sip of water. Sorry. Excuse me. That's absolutely fine. While you're doing that, I will say that probably one of the best things I can advise people is drive properties at a completely different time than when you saw the home. Drive at night. Drive during. Um, school hours to see if there's school traffic drive. You know, I've had people, I tell people all the time, if you, if if you put an offer in before your contingencies are up, drive the neighborhood on Friday and Saturday nights. I mean, there could be one occasional graduation party and whatever, but if it looks like that, that place is going to be that all the time, you need to drive at different times and, and, you know, understand that, that we can help, you know, but you, you need to put your research in yourself like you did. Well, and the other thing is, too, you see um, little signs up that say anything. Just read them. The, I say this because the neighborhood we moved into, there were these um, proposition signs, like a political thing. And it said, don't rezone this district kind of thing. And <clears throat> looked into it. It's a whole can of worms about like, the future of this neighborhood, what's going to happen. Yeah. Cause we happen to live across the street from a middle school that's closing this year after like 400 million years of being open. And yeah, they're not sure what's going to happen. And um, it's a big controversy and it. Like things got really heated, but as I'm talking to people, Oh, 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 the other thing. Yeah. As you're driving around looking at the neighborhood, you see someone walking their dog, you stop that person. Oh and yeah. You ask them. And here's the thing. If those people <clears throat> don't want to stop and talk to you, that's an indication, you know, 
that might be might might be an indication of the kind of neighborhood you know maybe maybe you don't want to be in for yourself. I happen to for the house we bought i I knocked on our next door neighbor's door. I think I was the nicest person ever, and he's turned out to be a, he's become a really good friend. Our first snowfall here in in Wisconsin this i I wake up and uh my my uh my driveway, my sidewalk it's all plowed. It turns out. Neighbor on one side did half. Neighbor on the other side did the other half. And oh, it's just that's because awesome. these people—it's like this cultural, wonderful thing of just like <laughs> kindness and like we're going to welcome you. But in Denver, I mean, I had the hood up in my car. I'm looking at it. The person who parked right next to us in our assigned parking space got out of the car and could not wait to get away as as quickly as possible. No, hey, you need a hand. Hey, are you yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. You need anything? Yeah. And that it's such a cultural difference. And this is the other. You know, you gotta. If it's, if this is important to you, you know, it, it just make sure that you're around yep. cool people, basically. <laughs> I tell people all the time, uh, can you buy a home online and, and me go and FaceTime? Sure. I recommend that you come out here and drive around and talk to two different people, people walking their dogs and people at the park. Oh, at yeah. The park, at the park, people and dog walking people. And, you know, if I if I see lemonade stands, I always stop. <laughs> so it's like those are the people that run the neighborhood, you know, and it, and it's just understanding what you're what you're getting into for the long haul can go so much further than the pictures. And that's where it becomes a team sport between your unicorn and you. The pictures, the pictures. You brought up such a great point. Listen, yeah. they're liars. They're yep. all liars. They're going to. OK, one house we walked into the pictures. They were amazing. We And so. They had taken the pictures of the, the 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 living room. You walk in and you realize where they were standing. They were they had avoided the fact that their bay windows were completely steamed over, and there was black mold sitting at the bottom of it, rotting the wood. They're not going to oh. photograph that. And so I started to us. And the the thing is, at least in our price range, this was the case that like no matter where we went, things were way way worse. It's either that or like. Maybe the house was fine, but next door across the street, it looks like Sanford and Son. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're like, um, or like, you, you know, it's just you, 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 you go to the neighborhood and it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a company that rents to like college kids yeah. instead of a dorm, you know, and it's like, oh, this is not going to be w- what I'm looking for. Maybe it's fine for some people, you know, so. Yeah. I tell my people all the time, the, the, if you see something great on pictures and I'm driving by it on the way home, let me go and send you the real pictures. And then I go in there with my phone and I take the real pictures of everything that wasn't there and send it to them. And then they go, okay, we can skip that one this weekend, you know, and well, some, and it works in reverse as, as you get up in higher price points, it can work in reverse. You can get bad realtors to take crappy pictures. And I'm like, I think that's a really nice house, but I've got a trained eye for it now. So, and that's the oh, other thing. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, this is amazing. We could go on forever. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm going to cut us off and give everybody um, a chance to digest all of this, go back and listen to all of these things and uh, know that um, one of my favorite parts about doing this job is, is knowing that we're able to help people all over the country. And I get to learn something new every, every time I have an interview. So, Derek, thank you very much, buddy. Thank you very much, David. It was really nice uh, to see you in person. Well, you know what I'm saying. 
I got you. Thanks. <laughs> you to see it this way. Okay, thanks so much. You got to love it. I'm so excited. I mean, here at How to Buy a Home, the idea is not to one size fits all everybody. And as you guys could tell, uh, Derek is definitely not a one size fits all. He and I have had some lots of fun conversations about, uh, oh, everything from cinema to home ownership and, and what it means in the grand scheme of things. I think uh, probably the greatest part of that entire conversation for me was that um, being able to understand and get educated and have all the information presented to you uh, and then figuring out that whether you, what you can control in the world, or what you can't control turns you into a person who's standing in a skate park screaming, we're going to become middle class. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes for you to get wherever you want to go. If that's buying a home, awesome. Got 189 episodes. If it's not buying a home, cool. Uh, I guess you could listen for my stupid dad jokes. But if it's not buying a home today, but maybe, great. Then let's get into the planning. Let's get educated without being sold. Here is everything that you need to know to work yourself into a position so that someday if you decide that you're not going to beat the man, so you're going to figure out a way to beat the man's system, cool. Start with the planning. But the earlier that you start with the planning, the better that you're going to be down the road. I continually say that you need options, options, options when you're buying a home because you're not coming in with a pile of cash to build your dream castle. You are needing to get a loan, which means you need all your options in place. So go to howtobuyahome.com, ask David a question, click the button, or ask for a unicorn team. We'll send you some people right away that'll be able to help you, and they'll do it for free. But hey, if you just want education, YouTube's got you, How to Buy a Home podcast, uh, Instagram has got you. Um, that's actually finally changing to at how to buy a home podcast because that dummy still won't give me at how to buy a home. So look at at how to buy a home podcast on Instagram, TikToks, how to buy a home. Everything's at www.howtobuyahome.com where you can get tons of relevant, helpful education and information. And as you can hear, if someone like Derek who has been internally struggling with what this means to them for their entire life can become one of my new best buds and scream from a skate park and embrace the middle class. Well, if Derek can do it, you know what? Then I think you can do this. 